go, here we go, here we go. It's time to start the room. Check, check, check. Just checking to see if the audio is working, video is working. Give me a thumbs up. We are live both in um, Clubhouse as well as uh, Facebook Live. I'm pretty excited to be able to mix and match two platforms. It's really funny that I'm doing this. I would have used to have considered myself completely. Two years ago, I would have been like, oh my God, I'm not tech savvy. I had so much nervousness. I remember uh, if you if you go on YouTube and you look up uh, trigger proof, that was when I came up with this concept of trigger proof, realizing that that's the answer to every problem that I've ever had in my entire life within my anxiety, within my relationships, within anxiety, within relationships, with this thing about me that I just couldn't sit still and I really, really love to attract fucking crazy chaos into my life and blow shit up in my life and, and, and do really well and then blow shit up and it's self-sabotage it seemed. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do I solve this? And then I realized is like the answer comes Nima when you can become trigger proof. And what do I mean by trigger proof? I don't mean become trigger less. Everybody's like, oh, you got triggered, Mr. Trigger man. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't mean I'm not human and I don't get triggered. It literally happens every day. Try working with people with trauma who had to, who don't understand boundaries. When you share boundaries, it really confronts people. And so I constantly, in working with trauma, have to continuously observe my nervous system and see that I'm good at what I do because I tune into people. I have to become, uh, I have to enmesh with people in order to do my job really well. The problem, I do it consciously. The problem is if I don't pull back and say no enough times, then I lose myself. And that's why um, secondary PTSD is very common in therapists, doctors, um, there's a huge burnout level because people who do my line of work are really rescuers in, in recovery, just like yourself. I have a rest, this rescuing part, so I really want to help and it gives me a sense of identity. And then I have to really check in, am I doing this so that I can be liked and be seen like this fucking benevolent, you know, loving person to deal with the shame of my narcissism? You know, it's like this little war happening in my mind. And then, but then to the point of exhaustion and self-abandoning. And this is our journey. This is my journey through trauma, <laughs> through my own traumas. I share it with you because that's what becoming trigger proof means. It doesn't mean that I'm never going to get triggered by you, by my wife, by my son. No, on a daily basis. It just means that I've committed to the practice of self-regulation so that I can break the cycles in, of trauma throughout my, my, my family first and then my community second. And it's a dance, you know, sometimes Diana can, you know, um, complains that I work too much and my focus is on answering to all these DMs and I really want to. And then I'm, I'm working on that, <laughs> delegating it to Kim and really like owning what I'm teaching, which is 100% presence with my family and my, my wife is constantly keeping me uh, accountable to that. I love her for that. And she's part of my healing too. So I share my journey with you 
so that you know that it is a journey. There's no finish line. That somebody who comes to me saying, oh, I've done the work. Oh my God, I've done so much work. Oh my God, I'm. let me tell you how much work I've done. I've done this, 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 this. And they list their resume immediately. My red flags now go up, covert narcissist. <laughs> covert narcissist reaching out to you, not because she or he wants to do something about it. Uh, they don't actually want transformation. They just want to, to, to vent and be validated is a very, it feels different when somebody's really genuine and sincere. And so we have these boundaries up and part of doing your trauma healing work is you, your tolerance for insincerity goes way down and your, your, your sensitivity to it goes way up. And so in a world where we're all insincere because of our traumas, I have to enter into an insincere world. Uh, and work at maintaining my own sincerity. So, you know, me talking into this camera, into this microphone um, is part of my inner, inner bound journey that I just one day decided that if I was going to be, uh, become trigger proof, it's a becoming, which means expanding your capacity for the discomfort emotions of difficult conversations that are involved when you're being truthful. Ugh, it feels gross. It's, it, 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 there's very little capacity we have. We all say we want the truth, but we don't want reality. You know, it's like, what did Neo, what was Neo's reaction when Morpheus showed him the truth of what the world was? I'll tell you what his reaction was. It was, no, I love Keanu Reeves. No, is that the real world? It is Neo. And so... Morpheus's job is now to awaken Neo that the world that he was living in is just kind of like a, and to expose the truth. And the only problem is, is that the truth is very triggering. So if you're listening to me and you feel your body go into some sort of like anxiety and panic, please don't, don't panic. I mean, don't, I mean, it's okay if you do, um, it, it, that's there's nothing wrong with you. There's just uh, my content is designed to just cut through all of it and just be as real and say, look, there isn't a lot of time. <laughs> Please, I get because of all the traumas you've gone through and this whole pandemic, there's a good likelihood that you're in what's called a dissociative state. You've been kind of watching the media and just been entrained and been told and uh, that your choices don't matter and that you should obey and comply and be a good citizen and shame you if you aren't a certain person. And oh, that's all part of the intergenerational, systemic, cultural um, narrative that we're all swimming in and we don't even know it. And your triggers are gifts your triggers are younger parts of you that are calling on your attention because of the pain that you've dissociated from. And becoming trigger-proof is the process of reuniting with those younger parts we dissociate from, we fracture from, because of our, our wounds, because of our emotional injuries. And it's not just sexual uh, abuse and physical abuse and getting you know spanked and beaten. And that definitely leaves its mark on your nervous system. I'm talking 
like that's obvious. You already know that that's not okay. What you probably don't know that hasn't been okay for your nervous system is having the experience of being parentified by your parent. What does that mean? It means when your parent, because of their mental illness, because of their addiction and because of their codependency with your other parent, whether they were single and they were going through a shit ton of relationships and codependency and you were just watching what love should be, you were observing what love is, you experienced love in a weird way, in a, in a very strange uh, through a very strange lens. And that lens is through the lens of your family system, family of origin system. So the invitation for you as we're talking about, is it love or is it codependency? The only way that you can really answer that honestly is by going back and answering this question. How was love done to me? <laughs> it's a weird question. How was love done to me? You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work there's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Did I feel love that was unconditional or did it have very strong overt or covert undertones of what is acceptable to be loved or what isn't? Did your nervous system experience the, the excruciating pain that a child feels of feeling a presence withdrawn? If you don't believe me, just watch, go on YouTube and watch the still face experiment. It's just a two minute video um, by this really, oh, it's gut wrenching. I show it on all our, uh, on our uh, overview experience events. I show it on our um, breath work because it's uncomfortable. It helps you see that when a one-year-old has a parent who's dissociated, like literally the still face experiment is this little child who's one. Um, they do this, they, they've done this over lots of kids with, with a lot of kids. And they, they have a moment where the mother is engaging with the child and then all of a sudden, she turns around and then she comes back to the, the baby and completely has a still face like this. Doesn't react. And this kid is one years old. It's just literally blank face, no reaction, nothing. Looking straight into the eyes of the child. After about 20 or 30 seconds, the child starts to get really distraught and highly stressed. And you can see the body language and screaming and ah, like by a one minute mark, she was having a meltdown because the mother wasn't attuned to her emotional needs. That my friend is trauma 
to the child. And trauma is not about what happens. It's about the internal disruption, this chemical cascade of, of stress, of distress, uh, without having a em empathetic witness like a parent guide us through those emotions, show us, bring us back to safety and resolution to return back to the good when the bad happens. It's not that, you know, we're never supposed to have frustration and challenge. It's that we are in ideally uh, most receptive when we have a parent validate those emotions and guide you back into safety. But I look back and I see if you had parents who were, who are culturally through, you know, narcissistic as, you know, culturally narcissistic, then how is it that you're going to be able to receive love that wasn't transactional, that didn't, wasn't depending on you performing or being an extension of them so much so that they download all of their personal shame onto you because you're an extension of them and you're not your own individual sovereign being. That is trauma with a small T and you don't, we don't even know that we don't even get taught. But as I, you know, expanded and left chiropractic and have been knee deep in my somatic experiencing and trauma, uh, trauma training, uh, healing trauma training, it, my heart literally breaks for the younger self that I was that didn't have a, a parents that care that, that, that he felt was not conditional upon performing as a duty, as an obligation not because my dad's a horrible person, but he is 14 years old on an emotional level and a lovely man and completely frozen at 14 and has said in, in no uncertain terms that he's not interested in talking about emotions and all that. If you, you clearly, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Clearly you guys are angry with something. I, I look, I'm in my seventies. You're in your forties, grow up and now just give us what we need. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't want to do any emotional labor here. I don't want to analyze just, I am who I am and sorry, you can't see it, but just figure it out. And then, you know, just, just provide me with my narcissistic supply. <laughs> it's like, I, I kind of turned to my wife while he said that. And I was like, he kind of said that in not so many, not so many terms, many words. And I, we were driving home after that um, New Year's dinner. He just said that over New Year's. And I was like, I got to hand it to him. He's very clear with what he needs. Okay. So now that, of course, that bothered me. And my heart again had to break and grieve for my 15-year-old self who wasn't allowed to want what he wanted without some sort of a fucking fight about it. Had to fight for everything he, he valued, he believed, and it was just constant feeling of rejection from his father that is not going to be good enough. And finally in that moment I got that he just wants my approval. <laughs> He's feeling rejected by me. He feels our anger and rage throughout our whole lives of being gaslit. Not interested in, you know, having a conversation and hearing us about it. That's not available. Um, but 
realizing that I don't actually need him to be available in order for me to love myself. And so to answer the call, the question of, is it love or is it codependency? There's no way of us really knowing the answer to that unless we have done the inner work of finding love for those younger parts of us who had to work for love, who had to actually fight and, and, and abandon themselves, your younger self, quite frankly, and if you're like most of the people that we help in our cycle breakers community, you had to abandon yourself in order to feel love. You had to say, because the rage of not feeling understood for who you are, the rage of that, we can't express to our parents as a five-year-old because then we, you know, we die. So where do we do? What do we do with it? We take that rage and then we stuff it and we, and we turn it inward towards ourselves. So you've ever, if you've ever lived this life and wondered why you're so hard on yourself, why you're constantly beating yourself up, why you're, why you're, self-hating to the point of like, like addiction, (laughs) like you're like to the point of you self-hate to the point where you get off on how much you fucking hate yourself. And, and, and this not enough, this, this, will I ever be enough? This constantly having to perform to feel a breadcrumb of deservingness and then repeating them in your relationship dynamics because of the anger that's gone inside, now you know the birthplace of codependency. But the ironic thing is, it's also the birthplace of narcissism. It's the same thing, it's just when that anger that's turned inward turns to rage, you have two options in that moment, the codependent slash borderline, it's kinda like a, it's kinda like, um, like a spectrum. All right. So we have we have whole integrated self in the middle, a whole integrated self in the middle. Then we fracture and then along that spectrum on this and we have we become narcissistic. And then at the end of that spectrum is a cluster B personality, what they would di- diagnose in the DSM uh, five Um narcissistic personality disorder, NPD. So it's like a spectrum, you know, it's like from a whole integrated self to R. Kelly, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, boom, NPD, there's no, or Donald Trump, you know what I mean? It's like where there's like, they don't even know that they, they don't even, they have no clue that they're even there. Like they can't see that they're there, they're out to lunch and they will never deny, they will deny it. It's like an illness. Kanye West, most movie stars, most actors. Sorry, I know a bunch of actors. Sorry, I know a bunch of actors just jumped in into this room. Hi, how are you? I've worked with actors, so I can say this. You know, it goes it, it goes there, and, and I, I see you. I'm, I'm on that spectrum, too. I've been on that. Without consistency with this work, I, I start to easily sway... <laughs> I wouldn't be classified with a personality disorder that's diagnosable, but in my days that I'm not so fucking proud of, (laughs) I could easily have been, you know, you ask all of my exes, you ask my ex-wife and she'll say, yep, he's a narcissist. hundred percent. They would say it. Now me and my ex-wife are, are pals now. 
I'm married again. Uh, and we kind of joke about it now. And so um, that's on that side of the spectrum. You have that whole integrated self in the middle. On the right side of the spectrum it becomes, co uh, you know, codependency. And as you take the codependency and go further down the spectrum, you enter what's called a borderline personality disorder on the, on, you know, another cluster B personality. And one of the cool things about BPD is that they usually are what they call comorbid with something else. They also comes, usually comes with either psychopathy, uh, psychopathy, or uh, it comes with um, uh, narcissism. So that's why you can have both. So it's really fascinating. And I do want to kind of say I'm not an academic. I'm not a... Um, psychiatrist or a psychologist my job is not and nor do i even care to diagnose and label and i don't care what your diagnosis is it's good to know if you've been when we're working a lot of our clients come in with diagnoses i'm like okay cool we're just we're not treat excuse me we're not treating your disorders this is not a treatment for illnesses this is just uh, working through our emotional flashbacks our triggers uh, expanding the capacity of our nervous system. These are neural exercises, no matter what. You got cancer, you got diabetes, or you're completely healthy mentally, physically. These, it's like going to the gym. It's gym, it's neuroplasticity exercises to increase capacity, which is what I discovered is, is one of the key components to really understanding the difference between codependency and love. How is that even related? It's really fascinating. So whether you are on either of those parts of the spectrum, um, there's a reason why if you are, the further you are on the spectrum of and towards NPD, towards BPD, the further you are, the less likelihood you even know what the fuck love is. The less likelihood uh, you know it, it, what it is. And so if you've ever been told, I love you by a narcissist or somebody with BPD, um, you know, what do they mean? What's happening inside? You know, do you really, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> what really is it? Do we, do we know what love is and how can we? And so I wanted to explore that uh, with you today and, and really just share with you some of my thoughts on what I've observed, not just from helping people through their traumas and being an interpersonal trauma specialist, but me myself, because <laughs> Every single person who's ever dated me or married me before the age of 43, 44 has all said the same thing. They all said the same thing. You never loved me. Even though I said it, I said, I love you. I said, I love you a lot to a lot of different people. But every single one of them were like, you don't love me. And I, and I would, was like, what are you talking about? Of course I do. Like, I, I, I couldn't admit it because that would, you know, that would make me sound like a horrible human being. And that's the worst narcissist's worst nightmare is looking bad. Um, so I, I, I was like, of course I do. What are you talking about? They're like, no, no, you don't. You don't love me. And I'm like, okay, all right. I didn't get it. And it wasn't until I really... I really did the healing work. I integrated my shadows. I, I found a guide. I found a community. Uh, I started to learn how to release the, the, the trauma that was stored, the stuck survival energy that was in my body uh, and learn how to expand that trigger from stimulus and response and just 
really learn how to um, respond rather than react, that I, number one, first thing was I found a love for myself. I found a love for myself first. And that sounds so hokey. It's like, you should just love yourself. And I remember after my last breakup, I was in a really dark place and I called my friend Aura, who's a chiropractor. She's Venezuelan, Venezuelan chiropractor and she practices in Miami. And she's so, she's so adorable and she's, we're on FaceTime and she's like, Oh, and I told her what happened in my relationship and how it was just toxic and everything. And, and she goes, Oh, honey, do you know what? You don't love yourself. It's cause you don't love yourself. You have to love yourself. And I'm like, uh, okay. How the fuck do you do that? How do you do that? You know, and so I did. I went through the deeper inner work, becoming trigger proof, learning how to have literacy in my own emotions, learning to understand what they are and feel them. Uh, and when I did, I did the work. I really expanded my emotional literacy. I learned how to take these triggers and turn them into deeper self-love, to take conflict, turn it into deeper intimacy. And then I realized, oh my God, this is love. I met someone uh, shortly after I stopped. Like when I realized after the shame of my last relationship, this was the scariest thing. It's kind of embarrassing for me to admit, but I realized that I never actually did love any of them because I didn't love myself. I was using them for supply. This is what happens with codependent, narcissist, like NPD, borderline, like everything in between. When we don't fully feel resourced in love for ourselves, love becomes a transactional kind of manipulation. It's what can I receive? Right? In that space, it's not real love. It's actually the codependency kind of toxic trauma bond. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that because it's really important. It was a huge distinction. And I realized that every single one of my relationships were not love. They were codependency, narcissist codependency cycle. It was a trauma bond. And I was using them for some sort of a supply, lack of self-confidence, sexual validation, um, <clears throat> validation for my work. My last relationship literally gave all of the above, all of the above, the validations I was most susceptible to. When you don't love yourself, you really, um, put yourself, set yourself up with deep vulnerability to somebody who can come in and scan you with great fucking empathy, by the way, narcissists, it's a myth that they don't have empathy. They have deep empathy. They know exactly how to, and to basically see you as a target and then tell you everything that hits all of your insecurities and makes you feel, oh my God, I love this person. And the truth of the matter is, it's not that you love them. We say this to a lot of our codependent clients is a big one. It's not that you love them. It's the idealized version of yourself that you fall in love with. Let me say that again. This is kind of a mind fuck, but it's true and it's really triggering. And if it lands with you, let me know 
tell me if this is resonating with you. But when you meet them and you're deeply in narcissist codependent kind of anywhere on that spectrum, and truthfully, you've heard me speak before, you know, they're just reflections of one another. One's not better or worse. One's not holier than now or not. It's just trauma. It's just unresolved trauma. That's nobody's fault, but it's just, there's a, a deep love for one another. It's like a, like a, like a glove you fit together. And, um, <laughs> and then what happens is you fall in love. Oh my God, you're the most beautiful thing. And oh, for me, it was like, you're brilliant. Your work is brilliant. It works. And this person was so amazing that she literally shifted her whole identity to match exactly what I needed at that time, which is a classic codependent slash borderline psychosis, like borderline type of trait, literally because in, in those cases, borderline and, and codependency, you have to, to be safe, to, to get your survival needs met. You had to abandon yourself and take on whatever identity that you had to, to survive. So there is no real you, you're hollow. You basically become a person when you merge it's kind of like a, it's kind of you merge with the other person and you lose yourself, right? That's the, she literally, I would not, from the time that I met her to the time, three months that it took for things to kind of move, she had merged herself as a, from a friend over time to the perfect client. She came in and, and I did a session with her, shifted her, um, whole identity around food, um, food sensitivities. She said, I'm a diagnosed celiac. It wasn't really a diagnosis. She just was somebody told her and now she took on the identity of a celiac. And I just showed her a few stuff and boom, she was able to eat banana bread and whoa, all of a sudden that whole identity of a sickly, a person in a relationship with a woman, by the way, she was in a relationship with a woman at the time. I was, it wasn't even, but boom, she merges and becomes the ideal student. And she starts setting me up with talks with her gluten society so that I can help them, you know, break free from their identities of being, you know, food sensitive. And that was mixed, by the way, just kind of as a sidebar, you can see the people who deeply identified with their illness hated what I said. And the people who are like, I always knew that it was stress related, really loved what I said. And she was helping me promote it at a time that I was the riddled with self-doubt, just still in my chiropractic practice, dreaming of leaving. And so she was able to mold, boom. And because I shared with her my dream and my fantasy, which was to teach this stuff full time and get out of chiropractic. And then she shared with me her fantasy, which was to have a power couple dynamic. And I'm like, okay, cool. Never mind all the red flags, all the, you know, the, the stuff she was working on in the sidelines. Oh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Red flags, red flags. Oh, she, you know, runs a, a you know, runs a, a, a high-end escort type of service on the sidelines. Just, just don't look at that and just let her run your business. And for four years, we passed along this shared fantasy that had us both completely, completely ignoring 
what was fucking right there in front of us? A toxic, abusive relationship where we were abusive to each other. And it was, it was a fucking nightmare. And it was like, should I stay? Should I go? Uh, the thought of leaving was like terrifying me. I was hiding from my parents. Here I am while at the same time helping people with their stress-related problems with this glaring fucking lie happening in the background. And so luckily uh, everything exploded in my face. Thank God it was going to kill me. Uh, and, and this is why I have to tell people that sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people who reach out and they want help and they want to heal from all this stuff. But if you tried to come to me before this big kind of rock bottom happened, I wouldn't have listened to you. I was too busy enjoying the success of my supply, the supply of my success. <laughs> you know, I had all these people having amazing transformations. I had people that wanted to learn my method and why would I, why would I look at that? Uh, even though my brother, my family members, they were, you know, they were, they didn't want to have anything to do with me. You know, that's a really good sign is if you're trying to avoid your family because there's, you know, there's some truth going on that you don't want to face and you want to blame them for it. This is a little red flag you also want to look at, right? Cause this is what happened to me, but I wouldn't have listened. I, I, I there's no way that I was going to be popped from this fantasy. I was willing to abandon myself for this fantasy. And this is why we stay with the people that we know aren't good for us. Why did I do this? Why, why? There's, there's repressed emotions underneath. There's unresolved grief that's holding you like a, like a invisible fence. I say it's an invisible fence because you literally can go, but you can't. It's, it's a jail. It's a slavery that we don't even know that we're a part of until there's something that happens that's a wake-up call. So unfortunately, most human beings have to wait for a wake-up call if that's happened to you, like a divorce or a health crisis or a diagnosis of some sort or a breakdown, like a nervous breakdown of some sort. Okay, great. I'm glad. The question is, have you taken action? Because that, that was your wake-up call. If that hasn't happened yet, Okay. Uh, and you know that there's an incongruency there and you're waiting. And most, most of the time, I mean, COVID has been the great equalizer. If you've been sweeping it under the rug, it's definitely come out thanks to COVID. COVID, COVID's been pretty awesome at exposing your bullshit, <laughs> my bullshit, everyone's bullshit. There's no more time for bullshit. So thanks for this. Thanks for being part of this non-bullshit conversation. Um, so Essentially, what I realized was that wasn't love. <laughs> that was not love. And the reason why um, we don't, we, we mistake it for love. Why I said, oh, I love you. She would say, I love you. But when I look back, it wasn't really love. It was codependency. And the reason why that's there is this one um, psychological phenomenon called cognitive distortion. When we are dysregulated and at the effect of our traumas and our emotional flashbacks are running the show, literally you're triggered all the time, we then get knocked back into a wound and the entire world gets viewed through the lens of our trauma, through the lens of our insecurity. And cognitive distortion happens. We start to see things that are like they're, they're miss, you know, what are they called? It's a, it's a mislabel. It's cognitive mislabeling. Okay. It's like 
what, what, what that means is we then assign certain feelings that we don't understand because they're big feelings, you know, narcissists, first of all, don't have any connection when you're in the, you know, down in that side of the spectrum, you don't really have connection to any feelings except really deep, dark, negative emotions, right? So any positive emotions that are like exciting and new, you like, oh my God, that's love. I love you. Oh my God, love bomb. That's just why they love bomb. Most of the people who are codependent, who are feeling like they're victims of abuse and stuff really start. It's really funny to me listening to you guys, just letting you know you're like, and he was just love bombing me. He just love bombed, love bombed, love bombed. Da, da, da. It's like you're at the effect of somebody complimenting you. And then you're at the vic you're victimized by it because later on it, 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 it he doesn't repeat those those uh, admonitions of you like come on okay the only time that we are susceptible to being love bomb is when we don't love ourselves when you fall in love with a love bomber and he comes a love bomb oh you're the most beautiful i have never met anyone like you and you literally fall for it it's because you don't love yourself and the, you don't love him. You, you fell in love. You fall in love with the idealized version of you that they paint. You're like, oh my God, it's, it's the first time I love myself through his eyes, through their eyes. Same thing happens the other way around where the borderline codependent completely melds herself for you and then as the narcissist, you're like, oh my God, she loves me so much. She's given up everything for me. That's evidence that she loves me. That's not love. <laughs> that is a mislabel. When we are dissociated and at the effect of our trauma, we don't know how the fuck to interpret emotions. We don't know what feelings are because we've dissociated from them. And so we have a cognitive distortion. A big, another one is grandiosity. My dad did this just the other day. It was hilarious. I can see it now through the lens of trauma, right? And as he's saying it, before it used to piss me off and just go, what an idiot, what an asshole. Now I'm like amused by it because I get it now. And it's like, okay, so uh, there are these people that were um, kind of doing construction work in his property and he, he wanted to leave hanging out with us because he wanted to go hang out with them because they were just love bombing him. They were like, they adore me. They adore me. And I'm like, dad, because um, we were talking about how fathers and sons don't, you know, get along and it'd be great to he have your feelings, have two people where their feelings are met. Whoa, I don't get it. I don't understand the people there that I just hired today. They totally adore me. Why can't my sons? And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, they adore you? That's grandiosity. That's a cognitive distortion. It's a story we make up through the filter of our traumas. Does that make sense? We can't see reality properly when we're at the effect of our traumas. The deeper the trauma, the more, sp uh, uh, the more extreme we go on the spectrum. NPD, BPD. Can you see how this works? It's all trauma. And it's pretty, it's pretty scary because I realized I was 43 years old and I didn't really know what love was. I was raised by that guy. <laughs> I was raised, I was raised to see that love is a performance. 
I was raised with an intimacy disorder. I had a disorder of intimacy. I didn't have a, you know, personality disorder. I, it was, I was unresolved trauma. You don't have a personality disorder. This is all a normal adaptation to trauma, depending on the spectrum of it. They just have labels on it, but you're not a label. Okay. It's, it's just, you can heal if you start to see this and then go inside and actually address those traumas. But unless you do, then you keep expanding that, hoping for love, but it's actually transactional because you can't really have true love. Love is a form of intimacy, is a form of understanding somebody. To truly love someone is to understand them and to truly have understanding of them, it requires intimacy. And in order to have intimacy between the two of you, you have to have intimacy with yourself. So there was, a, there was a road I wanted to experience. And I'm so grateful for this work, for becoming trigger-proof, the, the concept, the model, the, 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 the path that I lead people on. It takes time. But over time, I started to feel love. And I was like, oh, what I had wasn't actually love. It was codependency. I mistook it for love because I was had cognitive distortions. I was mislabeling infatuation. Oh, when they give me, when they give me uh, approval and they give me validation, I get this dopamine hit and I don't know what to call it. I just got this dopamine hit. So I'm just going to call it love. I feel love. We'll just label it love. And because I feel love, I didn't realize it because I'm in the narcissist mode and I really am deep with my negative emotions. I don't feel too many positive ones. That is love what I'm feeling. It's actually validation. It's actually narcissistic supply. But because you gave it to me, <gasps> I feel love. I feel love. And then I love bomb you. And then because I can read you, I can tell you what I promise you. Oh, I just met you today. Should we get married? By, by date three, should we have kids? That's how you know it's not real love. Real love doesn't fucking happen. Oh, we just fucked tonight on our first date. Uh, and I think we're just going to move right into one another with one another because I just feel this connection. The borderline will have a deep sexual encounter and then all of a sudden feel like orgasm and connection and be like, oh my God, I've orgasm. I'm going to, I want to marry him. It's because you've mislabeled a fucking orgasm for love. And that's not your fault. It's because you were never taught the state of unconditional love. And if that, if that doesn't get solved, the likelihood of you experiencing true, like love, understanding with and for someone, I'm so grateful. I didn't have, I had no, I hadn't had the foggiest. I didn't know. And so most love I realize is not actually love, it's codependency. And, and by the way, narcissists are codependent as well. So when I call code, when I say codependency, all of it, we're all codependent. It's like we're addicts in recovery. And today is day one and it's a climb. And it's, it's the work that we all must do and, and, and heal our traumas. We must resolve our post-traumatic stress injuries from childhood that weren't even our fault. We must reparent 
We must learn to reparent ourselves in the body, in the body, with with a discussion that's frank, that's honest, that's authentic, that's leaning into your discomfort and sharing your shame story so that you can now rewrite a new story. And the biggest obstacle is you're not going to want to do it because you might be still a slave to that old story. And that's the, that's the powerful clutches of codependency. And the experts do say that you might, you will not likely break free from it. You know, I had the question, uh, just yesterday, um, from someone, I really want to share this, um, from, she was on clubhouse and, uh, I won't mention your name. I don't want to throw your, you under the bus. But this is, but check this out. Watch this. Hello, I recently realized that I'm codependent and I started living my feelings and voicing them. And I noticed my husband being resistant to my change and being threatened and upset by my change, which I'm going to talk about, by the way. When you are in a codependent narcissistic dynamic and you've been used to being a slave, when, 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 if you're a slave master and you've been having slaves, and they were doing their job the way that they were supposed to, that they've been trained to, that you bought them and you were trained. Imagine one day when the slave goes, I don't want to be a fucking slave anymore. How would you feel as the master? You wouldn't feel that good, would you? It'd be very confronting. That's why to set boundaries with people who have an emotional contract for you being a certain way is terrifying. It involves an immense amount of guilt it involves an immense amount of understanding, first towards yourself and then towards a little child who is your partner, who's still a little child, because you're entangled in that. That's where you started. Don't forget, you were perfect for one another. That's why you matched up. It, emotional maturity level was an exact match. Now that you're emotionally maturing, you don't want to handle that immaturity. That's going to be difficult because now here's a choice point. Either you set yourself up that you're irresistible and he better not fucking leave. He better step up or he's going to lose you because of what you because of what you have have brought into his life, which is what happened with Pamela. She was like enough. 15 years of counseling limbo. She does the she does our program. She takes our course. And then within six weeks, she's like, I'm out. She says, I'm done. And at a, at a couple's counseling, which they've been trying for like a decade, she said to him, sweetheart, I love you. I'm ready to go. She, he's like, okay, I get it. Her power, her divine energy, her divine feminine radiance came out. And she's like, look, I know I used to be a slave like this, but I'm no longer a slave. I feel different in my body. I've healed those trauma bonds that keep me stuck in this dynamic. That's not about you. It's about my father. It's about my mother and I've now healed with them. So I understand why I'm here and I understand you now. And here's the thing. This is what I want and I'm no longer available for anything else. So she moved on. Guess what happened? Six months later, he's been stepping up. He's like, fuck. He's tried other and he realizes I got the real deal. I'm not going to lose her. So he steps up. In other words, part of codependency is enabling that person to remain as a child in their addiction, in their whatever. So for you to, you want to help them? You've been enabling them. You really want to help and rescue? Then you make the most of yourself and they will. A rising tide lifts all boats. If they don't, you found the strength to move forward. She did and he stepped up. 
Other times the, the, the partner doesn't step up, but who cares? You have your health, your life, and you've broken the cycle for your child moving forward. You know, like it's a catch 22, I know. Or you can do what other people do, which you will die with it. You'll die instead of leaving. And this is what happens. You know, Eilina, uh, one of the coaches in our uh, community, uh, her father, codependent, died before leaving the marriage from the, from the narcissistic mother. Happens all the time. Another client of ours, her mother died two years ago. Yeah, codependent. And, and, and there was, it was like, she knew that it was her dad and the way his, his, his freaking emotional abuse and all that that killed her. But she didn't have the strength to leave because that's part of, by the way, the cognitive distortion. When you've been experiencing nothing but abuse, you'll take it and then you'll go, oh, but it's because he, he, he hurts me like that because he loves me. It's all I've ever known. Can you see what we're up against? We're up against cages. You could say, well, how could you? Oh, they love me. It's just, it's just, that's what, that's what love is. You really, he's, she's totally jealous and she's, come, this was mine. She's totally jealous and absolutely crazy about like with, with abandonment insecurity to the point where she would sabotage the shit out of our, um, our, uh, events. I had to hire extra help, uh, extra, you know, people to manage her emotions during our live events. But I justified that because, Hey, she loves me. That's, that's how my mother showed love was excessive worry. It's like, yeah, that's love. No, it's not fucking love. That's a trauma bond. <laughs> And I laugh about it now. I don't mean to laugh. I, I laugh because it, if I could break free from this and just tell my story and then confirm it with so many other people walking the same path, if you are committed, you're coachable, you're willing to show up, willing to tell the truth, willing to say, all right, I've been just as manipulative. I've been putting on a mask. I've been abandoning myself. I don't know who I am, but I'm, I'm humble and I'm, I'm willing to, to, to do whatever it takes to, to find my own freedom, to find my sovereignty and agency. Those are the two things. You cannot have true love. Love is, is bullshit unless there's sovereignty and agency. The fact that my wife can leave at any moment I'm not bullying her into staying. The fact that she chooses me every day because she's empowered in her areas of life. She's an empowered individual. That's one of the key ways. You want, you want love that's safe and secure? Here's how you do it. Become the most empowered version of yourself. Empowered financially. Empowered with your work. Empowered with your education and your learnings. Uh, empowered with your group of friends. Empowered... Um, socially with your group of friends, empowered by reconnecting intimacy with family members, healing. In other words, healing empowers you 
And now when you have empowerment, you have two amazing things necessary, requirements, fundamental requirements for love to take place. Sovereign will, sovereignty. I'm my own human being. I'm not, you know, like, like for example, arranged marriage. We have people in our community who, whose marriages were arranged for them. Is there sovereignty there? Is there free will there? No, then that's not love. That's not, that's codependency, okay? You can grow to love them, of course, yes. But them getting together, no. You can grow to love them because love is a choice. You can grow to love, but that's when you see the person as a separate individual who's sovereign and who has their own free will. Some, if you don't give free will and, 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 and freedom and agency and sovereignty to your partner, that's not love. That's codependency. It's just the way that it is. And that's why it's so rare, right? Because who would you have to become is the real question. Who would I have to become to have free will, sovereignty, free will, and agency, free choice, right? And so then when you have that, you choose each other each day. I choose you every day. That's love. Love is when you look at somebody and it's, you don't need them. You don't need them to survive. You can't love somebody when you need them. Love doesn't become a choice then. It becomes a survival tactic. And then it becomes manipulative. And now you have the makings of a toxic codependent relationship. Cycle breaker. By the way, we have a shop coming out. T-shirts, cycle breaker. It's going to be great. You can, um, I'm going to, I get it soon. I'll show it to you. I'll, I'll put it on display. You can actually upload your baby photo on it, like your inner child. It's really cool. You can upload your own child's photo. Whatever inspires you to remember your big why. Why, why do I choose to go inward and heal? Why, why am I gonna learn how to become better at loving? Because all I've ever known is fucking codependency and I'm in my mid forties and it's terrifying for me to realize that I'm gonna live my entire life not really knowing what love is. It's embarrassing for me to say that I only discovered it at the age of 44. So I had loved, I was even divorced, you know, I had married before and now I actually feel, I felt it here because I felt it for myself. Sounds weird, but there's a path. It's through neuroscience. It's not necessarily all woo. It's not all just bubble baths and pedicures. It's a little bit more involved and it comes with understanding your nervous system. How do I love myself if I behave so shamefully and been completely a slave and just this weak, pathetic, whatever, and narcissistic, ah, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed. Yeah, the first step is just feel the shame. <sighs> Learn how to have emotional literacy. Learn how to understand and feel shame. That might not be fun for you. You might be deflecting it. You might say, nope, I don't feel it. I'm fine, I'm perfect, well, and to which I... To which I say, yeah, okay, sure. Classic narcissistic defense. And learn how to stop mislabeling. When you stop mislabeling, then you're not gonna mislabel infatuation as love. 
You're not going to, there's a difference between love and there's a difference between attraction. But if you are dissociated because of your traumas, you don't feel your body, you're out of your body. Having these love chemicals, these dopamine fixes, you actually feel something and then you become addicted to the sensations. And then, you know, naturally they fizzle out over time and you're like, oh, I don't love this person anymore. Like, well, of course you don't. You, you were actually in a fantasy uh, and you uh, didn't really have intimacy. It was chemical-based, and you mistook this dopamine hit for love. I, 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 who hasn't done that? I spent the first half of my life doing that. And then my relationships kind of suffered as a result, and I realized I'm getting too old for this shit. It's time for me to live a life where I feel love. And you know what's weird is I hear I love you from people more than ever. It's like on a client calls, I get it. Hey, Nima, I love you. I'm like, thank you. I receive that. I feel that, you know, I feel because, because intimacy into me, I see, I see myself. And then when I work with the people that I work with and then who really, um, really show up on the group calls and they share their stories and then I'm able to coach them, I feel love for you, you know, because I admire the courage it takes to, break free from that old system where everyone's just talking and the people who actually show up on our trainings and in our courses, I always call them heroes because it's so much easier to just pander to that, to that old narrative of just staying where I am. By the way, I want you to pay attention to this one little obstacle that you'll have. If you, especially as a codependent, if you were punished emotionally let's say or kind of like one of my clients where she wanted to merge she wanted to branch out and individuate and her mom and dad were like family obligations in other words they don't allow the individuation which is where narcissism and codependency begin where there there's such this paralyzing fear of abandonment that the parent has because they haven't dealt with their own trauma they don't let you fucking leave a vicinity Right. And um, especially when you add in millions, multi millions of dollars for the dad and then a codependent mom who then has uh, parentified the child. And you now have the makings of this person marrying a narcissist and going through the same cycle and going, who the fuck am I? Um, when you decide to step into the new world, when people do an application, they sometimes don't show up on the call. They, they abandon. Because what happens is anytime you want to branch out and you want to go and step up into something, and then immediately you have this part of you that goes, no, you shouldn't do it. What's going on? What's happening? What's happening is it's an interjection of a mom and dad trying to keep you in the nest. It's mind-boggling. That's how powerful, and it's in your body, and it feels like a freeze, like a paralysis, like oh, you're going to abandon our family, oh, and the guilt comes in, and you're like, I can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm like, yeah, I know. Ever, so many people, very, very few, like that's why the people who show up, I look at them, I'm like, you had to overcome that in order to have your freedom. It's like in the movie, The Shawshank Redemption, the way he got out was he had to he had to go through a pipe, through the sewage pipe, for about five kilometers crawling through shit in order to get to freedom. 
that's your Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> it's a perfect analogy for how you're going to liberate yourself from codependency. If you want love, in other words, you can quote me on this, mofo. <laughs> if you want love, you have to Shawshank Redemption that bad boy. You got to crawl through the sludge and the shit for miles, but your freedom has to be more important than your discomfort initial discomfort because it'll be uncomfortable because you're basically taking on a whole new identity so what do you need to know you need to know that what you're experiencing is not abnormal it's absolutely completely explainable it makes perfect sense given your experience from childhood and this codependency that's happening has very little to do with the, your current partnership it's your past Right. Or even you're, you know, where you are with codependency. So you're avoiding love altogether just to be safe because you know, I'm going to fucking lose myself. And then when, so I'm just going to be an avoidant. Same thing. It's got nothing to do with your last relationship. It's got everything to do with your parental coding that was downloaded from centuries. So that's what I want you to know. So there's no shame. Hopefully, if you got nothing out of this transmission, you got that there is nothing for you to, even though there's a great deal of shame happening as part of the trauma healing process, this is so common. And I'm hoping that my shameful story that I can share with you can help you feel just a little bit liberated that there's nothing wrong with you. I'm, you know, I, I know I, I'm a chiropractor, Dr. Nima reminded, but I'm not talking to you from the perspective of any doctor. I'm just a dude who's connected the dots and I have a, a knowledge of the nervous system. And then I just, I had to actually do it for myself. So I'm, not only am I the president, I'm also a client. It's like the hair club for men. So I teach you because I need this. I, I needed this work the most. I'm, I'm literally talking to myself a few years ago. So um, this, is, this is who I'm speaking to. And there's, it, it sounds to me from your DMs and from the, 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 the amount of love and hate that I get uh, for sharing this stuff. Um, that it's resonating with you, even though it might be triggering. I really do appreciate your DMs and your like five people after my last one was like, Nima, I'm, I'm super ready. I'm humbled. I fit that, that, that list of people who actually heal and find out the difference between love and codependency. It's a, it's a very short list of people that are ready. And, um, I'm one of those people and I'd like to do it. Um, coachable, uh, committed, willing to show up, uh, willing to face your fears and, 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 and lean in and take the red pill and who actually is financially responsible and excited to invest in yourself and realize that, you know, you've never, you might not have really done this. Uh, you easily would invest in a pet, <laughs> but how about you? Yes, you're that important. So you find the resources and you are ready to have a cause that's greater than yourself. It's not just about you. You're ready to, you see that you're part of a, you're a wheel in a cog. Uh, you're a cog in a wheel or whatever that's called. And you just want to break that cycle. So I want to, I would love to hear more of your story if that's you. Um, the reason why we need to know this is because unless we take a look at this and really get uncomfortable with these conversations. These conversations won't make me very popular with a lot of people. Uh, there will be a lot of people that are angry and hurt and think that I'm victim blaming. And and um, yeah, that's one of the side effects of this work is you're not gonna be understood by everyone. 
Uh, and uh, that's painful because if, if people, you know, if people really got the, the real reason, you know, of course, I go to work each day, abundance, material abundance and wealth and everything is part of your overall health and well-being and healing your relationship with money has been my part of my journey too. And it's not, you know, and, and the people who come in, they realize it's not just just about, you know, lining my pockets. It's actually, I don't want people to feel what I felt um, unnecessarily because they didn't know. And I had to figure it out and I had to put a model and a piece of piece of the pie together. And I just want to, I stand for healed families. I see families breaking the cycle of alcoholism, families breaking the cycle of codependency, uh, uh, mothers, single mothers leaving marriages that aren't helpful and conducive to their well-being, And then starting with people who actually treat them like gold now, like, that's what that's what what happens and 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 realize what true love is rather than codependency you know that's that's what's on the line and what you need to what we need to do to do that is we can't do it alone we must have a guide walk us through uh have a system have tools if you're going to hike up mount everest you're definitely not going to do it alone um, you're going to need to know where the the route goes you're going to need to know what to expect and learn some skills like learning how to take your triggers and turn them into deeper, you know, self-love and take your uh, conflicts and turn them into deeper intimacy. We really need assistance because we never really had it modeled. So we have to have experienced with, with kind of like a loving container with both support and challenge. That's not just blowing sunshine up your butt, but we'll be able to call you forward and, you know, hold you accountable to the truth, even though it's not going to be comfortable all the time. And, to be open to being to, to, to receiving the feedback of that. One of the classic narcissistic defenses is needing to be right and not receiving feedback. So if that's what you have a problem with in the past, then well, great. Doesn't mean you, it means lean into that and call it out and say, hey, I have a problem with receiving feedback. I don't know if I'm gonna be coachable. Please, I would like to work on becoming more coachable. And then I would ask, do I have your permission to call you out when I feel that it's you're not being, do I have your permission? You're like, yes. So now we're, we're establishing an agreement to lean in and you're not going to grow by just staying exactly where you are. It's like a yoga stretch. You want to kind of lean into the stretch and, you know, expand on it so that three months from now you're way more flexible. Your nervous system works the same way. So and the reason why we need to do this is because lives are at stake. We are in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, our families are breaking apart. Uh, anxiety levels through the roof, suicide, mental health on the decline. And everybody's looking outside of them for heroes, which is exactly what codependency and slavery is all about. And so I'm leading a community of people who are willing to break the cycle. And so I'm super duper grateful to be part of this conversation. And I'd love to have anyone who has a question hop on and go ahead and ask. Um, there's Violet and welcome. Are you there, Violet? There we go. Sorry, I don't have a question right now, but when I do, I will definitely speak up, but uh, not at the moment. Okay, cool. Do you want to share what was most relevant for you or what came up for you that was um, interesting to you as my son screams in the background? All right. Um, 
it's I'm, I'm absorbing absorbing this information to solidify the fact that I need to grow um, individually as a person mm-hmm. um, and what I need to do individually yeah. before taking um, other relationships on. Yeah. And what did you discover? What do you need to, what, where, here's, here, let me rephrase that. What part of you, Vi, uh, Violet, do you feel needs to grow up the most? This is a good question everybody can ask themselves, by the way. What part of you do you feel would really benefit by growing up the most? Uh, well, at, at the moment, although this can change because it's individualistic and it changes day by day what one needs within our own individual path. However, um, yeah, I'm absorbing information, um, helpful information on here in, in different different places, yours, but other places as well. Cool. And um, I think I should do more meditation. Okay. Uh, for... Um, to look inward mm-hmm. and um, and to realize who I am and and um, and get um, my own uh, my own input. Yeah. Instead of and um, that's important to listen to oneself. Yeah. Not just other people. So then, let me um, ask you this, Violet. Let's say you do the work. What do you want to have have achieved in the next three to six months that would have you like blown away by your progress? Well, um, to sit quietly and meditate more, but through that, um, I guess the answer would be to um, be more self-aware, grounded, um, grounded within myself and more self-aware. Okay. that's number one. And then number two, can I ask you something? Can I ask you something? Can you, can you, a lot of times people in spiritual communities will say, I just want to be the best version of myself. I want to be grounded and self-aware in the next three to six months. Yeah. But what outcome would you, what, what what does that look like in reality? And the reason why I'm saying this is because I want to hold people accountable. This is also why it's really important to have a coach, a mentor, Uh, because we kind of kid ourselves and, okay, great. You want to meditate more and you want to become more self-aware so that what, what is the outcome that would happen in Violet's life that would be a manifestation of you becoming more self-aware and meditating? Like what, what changes, what, what transformations would you like to see that are, that are, um, specific that you would that you would like to kind of move towards even if it even if it's even if what you're saying is i'd love to have clarity on exactly what i'm here to do within the next few months you know what i mean does that make sense violet well um grounded more um and here and 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 this is this is why I'm illustrating this point violet is especially when you have codependency when you have completely uh, adapted to lose touch with who you are yes of course we have to do the journaling yes of course spending more time in meditation but the thing is without somebody outside of you you can't really a, a, a label like a 
a mayonnaise jar can't read the label from the inside. You can't really see it. So it really, it, it's critical on in this year for when you're, if you're truly wanting to level up, you're truly wanting to heal and you're actually serious about it, to have somebody there that can help you get to a specific outcome. Even if that outcome is, clarity on where I should go. <laughs> There's a way to do that, right? And so I, I know you, you didn't have the, the idea to come up and ask a question or, um, you know, it, it wasn't the right timing, but I'm really glad that you shared it the way that you did, Violet, because it really goes to show the difference between kind of like, let's, let, let's, let's get out of this whole spiritual bypassing and get grounded as to what do I want to create in the next three to six months? Instead of being at the effect of other people, it's time for me to kind of wake up uh, and take like, like shift my from yin energy, extreme yin energy and bring in the yang and have focus direction where I can aim. Otherwise, if I don't, then I'm at the mercy of somebody else taking me over. If we don't do this, we will meet somebody and then merge with their vision and lose ourselves again and again and again in the same pattern. So my, my suggestion to you, Violet, if, let me know if this is landing at all. Uh, it might not, um, is for you to really find somebody to help you get clarity on what it is that you're, you know, what it is that you'd love to create for yourself in your life. Okay. Um, and that could be on a day-to-day -day basis uh, as well, and not just down the road. When, when might practice on what their intentions are for the day. Of course. And, yeah. And, yeah. And I think that that's, that, that's a good thing. And but what my point of the, but my point of the conversation is when you're talking about your intentions to have them be, uh, something that can be grounded in reality rather, um, you know, of course your meditation and your journaling, your spiritual practices. So that what result, what expansion are you going to see in your life? You're better able to have honest conversations with people. You're better able to handle your uncomfortable emotions to the point where you can handle feedback and take criticism, uh, you to let love in. In other words, I want to heal Violet. This is, this is what it would sound like. I want to heal within the next six months and then start to date again. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So that I can feel safer starting to date again. You know what I mean? So if you can just get a little bit more clarity and that's why we, you know, we need people on the outside to kind of, to help guide us through that. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Of course, set the intentions, but then really what outcome is it that you want to have? And, and, and that's difficult to know what it is, especially if you're dissociated from your body. So it might be at first to feel safe in my body so that I can be connected to my impulses and my intuition a lot more. What would that look like? Ah, well, um, be able to say no to people and, and not be just paralyzed by guilt. Ah, okay. So the, the, this is what we do with our clients when they come in with, with all of these um, really esoteric uh, intentions. What we like to do is go, okay, let's, what does that look like in reality? Oh, I want to just feel freedom and just know my, 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 my innate self. Okay, what does that mean? Freedom. 
then after a couple questions, the guy's like, well, I want to be able to hang out with my dad without fuming in anger because of all my unresolved resentment towards him. Ah, bingo. Okay, good. That's a great indicator. That's a great intention. So the invitation for you, Violet, and anyone else who can resonate with this is to have your intentions be a little bit more focused on um, outcomes that you can kind of stretch into and grow. That way you're challenging yourself and also get accountability to do that because, you know, that's it's it's a fantasy to think that uh, we'll be able to just kind of do it alone when we're so good at abandoning ourselves. <laughs> you, you, you've gotten, we've gotten so, especially codependents have gotten so good at justifying self-abandonment. It's like a, a self-abandonment is an addiction. It's like an addict justifying, oh, just one more, one more um, drink. You know, I, I deserve it. You know, it's, it's so difficult and we need somebody there. We need like a sponsor to help break us free from that cycle. Can I bring some one more thing up, please? Sure. Okay. Um, I think, um, well, I'm talking for myself, but other people as well, I'm sure, um, that we need to be uh, more conscientious and self-aware of um, what our, our thoughts and feelings are to bring them back. Okay, what have I been um, programmed with? as a child that no longer serves me anymore. Right. What is the, what, what, what is it that I'm believing that's false in my life? Like yes. I'm not worthy. Totally. Um, like I don't deserve things, you mm -hmm. know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. hundred percent. So I'm, I'm trying to question um, myself. What, what is it that I'm believing that's no, that's, um, that's been installed in me that I need to, um, I need to say the opposite and realize the yeah. opposite of and get unentangled yeah. with, it's, um, with that. It's kind of like you've been groomed into a version of reality to the point where you don't even know what's real anymore. And so you got to have this introspection uh, so that you can re kind of re <laughs> reframe reality towards what's true for you. Yes, this is part of the deprogramming. Absolutely. These are great questions. Uh, and and the and the most important thing is to be able to bounce them back with other people in a community, because if you're just doing it in isolation, you're just you're you're not able to share. You don't really get the full kind of healing because um, you realize you think that you're alone, but then when you share what your experience is to somebody else and they share it with you, immediately you have you have shit. You have a shift you actually experience a physiological shift in your body. You get on a call with another person and you talk it through so that you just imbue yourself with understanding. So yeah, those questions are great and they're useful within a conversation in a community. So great questions. The last thing I wanna say for everybody, including myself, um, which I heard is that um, like, the, the, there is nothing wrong with us. We, we were taught that there's things that are wrong with us in one way or, the, uh, or another. Yep. Down inside of us, there's nothing wrong with us inside. <clears throat> and and that, that's a false, supposedly, I heard programming. Exactly. There's something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. Yep. And that, that's a lie. Yes, that's the big lie. The problem is, Violet, is that we are so programmed to believe that there's something wrong with us, that we're bad, especially if you've been raised with toxic shame, um, that 
I can tell myself, I, I can tell you, and I can read in a book, Nima, there's nothing wrong with you. I could post memes, everything's right about you, memes, right? But then when it comes, when push comes to shove within a relationship and you get into a conflict, in that moment, do you speak your truth or do you abandon yourself? And chances are, if you don't actually address what's in the body, rather than just the meme and talking about it, there's nothing wrong with me. And you actually address it, unless you address it in your body, you will react from the place of there's something wrong with me and I don't deserve. So it's, it's, it's what you're saying is 100% true. And what I'm going to invite you is to add on that it doesn't just go away by talking about it. We must address it from a body-based perspective, which is really why it makes my heart sing to do the trainings that I do with the members of my community. So you got to actually address that from the body because it, because your body is, is telling that story. It's hardwired in long before you even had language to know I'm not enough. <laughs> so this is like, this is a fracture that happened when we were really young. So it's not just gonna go away with a, with an affirmation. We have to actually release it, release the stored stress. But thank you so much. Anything else you want to add, Violet? Uh, no, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. I appreciate the uh, the share. Uh, AJ or Ajay? Hi, Ajay. Ajay. Hello, sir. Welcome. Hello. Where, 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 are you, where are you calling in from? Uh, from Bangalore in India. Oh, wow. What time is it over there right now? about half past seven in the morning oh wow it's like almost dinner time here in vancouver so so cool to hear somebody and whenever i hear somebody from india immediately my mind goes to cultural traumas and the way that middle easterners are are raised uh with sometimes violence and we're conditioned to self-abandon for you know, the good of the family. So we're all raised by narcissistic parents to be narcissist codependent. I don't know how, I don't know how to have anything else when you're in that culture. Tell me if that, if, if you can resonate with that, Ajay. No, that, that resonates a lot. In fact, that was one of the things that um, I thought really sort of uh, struck a chord because you were talking about uh, cultural narcissism. Right? Exactly. And um, I think uh, that and also, um, I mean, yes, uh, you know, uh, it was quite shocking for me to realize that uh, I might be in a culture uh, where this is so rampant, where, yeah. you know, parents are hanging out to their children. and It's how, the norm. Uh, yeah, it is the norm. And also how, um, you know, uh, the very idea, it's actually not just a norm, but it's celebrated. Yes. Uh, as the ideal. Uh, yes. Uh, it's put on a pedestal. Uh, exactly. Making the sacrifice for someone else. If yes. In it because Martyrdom uh, is celebrated. Yeah. 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 That's sad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was something that really sort of hit home for me. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for putting it that way. Yeah, uh, you didn't know that? You didn't really put that together before you heard me share that with you? I'm curious. I, I Is this the first time I've, I've brought up this concept for you? Uh, yes, I mean, I knew that. I, I would always think of uh, this in terms of my own situation, right? It's hard for us to see past our own nose. Exactly. Uh, it so, helped but, you normalize. I helped you normalize it, right? 
kind of like there's this what I'm feeling is this like this sigh of relief like oh okay like I thought I was the only fucked up person (laughs) (laughs) every one of my people all of them because uh, it's also now it, you don't just have to get out of your situation. No. You don't have to find a way to resolve your situation. You have to find a way to resolve the entire weight. Of the system. It's the system. <laughs> yeah. That's why I tell people before you get started with this, I'm just letting you know, this is like a matrix moment. I'm your Middle Eastern Morpheus. You are going to unplug from the matrix, meaning to get out of that system and to look from above down. That's why I call it the overview method. That's the only way that I found I could heal and find love for myself was to see that I was just the product of a system and that little boy deserves all the love even though his unconscious parents didn't know. And and that helped kind of start the process. That shame that you feel is now kind of opened a little and you're like, all right, I now know what to do. I'm going right after my younger selves. I'm integrating, I'm having the conversations and I'm going to heal with my family. I'm going to release that resistance and that resentment and then break the cycle so that my kid can be having a different experience and feel understood and met emotionally. And uh, I don't. I, I mean, for me, it's been a very difficult journey. Uh, I've been through. Uh, I, 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 I understand exactly what you're saying, uh, Doctor Amani, because uh, I've been through this process over the last one year or so myself. Where yep. It's been a bit of an eye-opening experience, um, of a humbling experience, a chance to get rid of, uh, you know, egoistic ideas of who I am. Yep. Feel a little more light. Feel a little more free. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget. Uh, and when it, this only happens, I went through a divorce. Yeah. Um, I went through uh, health anxiety. Uh, um, I still haven't, uh, you know, come out of it completely. Yeah, that was your uh, wake-up call for the work. Yeah, yeah. These things sort of, uh, it's unfortunate that too, uh, you know, uh, I was thinking about when you were talking about it. Uh, it's unfortunate that we uh, can only do this when, uh, for a lot of us, we seem to only be able to, uh, do some of this work when something terrible happens. But yeah, that's usually what draws people in, you know, not when you're comfortable. It's usually when you have no choice but to face all of those things you've been avoiding. And so those are the people who, you know, when they're ready, we love to, to help them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, specifically, uh, the thing that I wanted to sort of share, I don't have a question for you but okay. uh, i just thought that this might uh, you know uh, the group might benefit because sure. uh, this is a struggle that i'm going through uh, even as we speak on a day to day basis yeah. um so uh, literally from february of uh, last year uh, i i actually thought i had uh, had some sort of a breakthrough mm-hmm. and what i used to do before that is i used to sort of vacillate between different strategies. Like I was looking for a generalized ultimate strategy with which I could make my life perfect. Uh-huh. Like should I always be a truthful person? Should I always be someone who's in touch with his emotions? Should I always just try to be myself? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, sh- uh, and, and these things would, co- uh, should I be an incredibly logical person? Can I just use my uh, faculty for logic uh, in every second of every day? Uh, apply it to my life and therefore create the ultimate perfect uh, you know, ultimate yeah, perfect perfect, perfect existent existence yeah 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 and i used to vacillate these <sighs> and for almost a year i didn't when i said it's okay i'm going to be a loser i'm going to let 
yeah and warts and all yeah uh, it's uh, it's fine uh, i think uh, dr russell kennedy uh, gave this example once of you know going in deliberately uh, bombing at his uh, stand up uh, yeah yeah uh, just to feel the failure in the, uh, in the yeah <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so where you know you just basically say I've I'm done with this. Let everybody think that I'm nothing, and I'm fine with that. Uh, and uh, doing that helped me a lot. Beautiful. Helped me get a sense of uh, sense of freedom. And I, it's been about uh, several. It's been several months now. I mean, since February this year. But now, over the last month or so, the self doubt has come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know suddenly i'm looking for meaning again yeah. and uh, suddenly i'm uh, again confused again i'm tempted through the course of this conversation itself there have been two or three moments when i was wondering you know if this is the right way for me to approach this am yeah. i being too emotional should i be more logical uh, yeah. you know it's uh, there's almost a constant Um, well, yeah, there, so there's a what what I'm hearing is there's a there is a constant desire to avoid your feelings there's a constant desire to try to run away from uncomfortable feelings and so yeah that's normal <laughs> pain avoidance yeah it's it's a pain avoidance this is part of our trauma response and healing becomes shifting our relationship to that you would actually love our shadow shadow work course where we actually address that very thing so you know if you're ever interested in in resolving and learning how to resolve that just dm me and let me know and um cuz that's exactly what we do but yeah thank you so much for sharing that what you're illustrating is that um no matter how much quote unquote work we we've done the truth continues to reveal itself and it's not a finish line the the work is embodied intentional introspection which is a day-to-day -day practice we just don't learn how and i've created a methodology for people that are really wanting to learn how to regulate their autonomic nervous system by getting access to those part those uncomfortable feelings and learning how to release them to create a completely different experience with the present moment and then relationships completely transform that's how i got out of the codependency cycle uh, learning how to heal those emotional flashbacks and have become literate with my own emotions so that's the the path that i share with the people because it's it's where i went through and i love guiding people through it thank you brother yeah, and, and thank you thank you so much and i love the shawshank redemption yeah it's true that's a good analogy i just came up with it i was like that's your only way out you, it's not going to happen you're not going to leave the prison without going through that <laughs> tunnel of shit <laughs> thank you so much ajay appreciate you uh, thank you thank you yes amanda Yes. Hi Nima. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. Thank you. Um something that you said to RJ definitely really resonated with me um in terms of growing up with obviously I've got an Asian background. Mm -hmm. Growing up in Australia definitely felt that uh you know through violence and kind of dynamics that shaped my relationship. Vietnamese? So, Yes, that's yeah. Right. You remind me of my friend Alice, exactly the same thing. Uh yeah. she's she's a chiropractor in Australia, Vietnamese background, and father is a complete like brutal, violent, uh mm -hmm. type A, classic malignant narcissist. 
<laughs> and so I'm good friends with her. So I, I, I've watched her journey and who she became as there's like, you've become, let me guess, I don't even know you, but I guarantee because of that, you've become extremely strong and extremely independent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think um, that's, and, and also add on that being the eldest. Sibling. Oh, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so so it's responsible. Classic, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very responsible and yeah. kind of taking on. Do you, do you, do you take on the codependent role a lot and find people where you can just burden yourself and become the martyr? Is that how your pattern goes? Yes, that has (laughs) definitely been a lot in the past Mm -hmm. um, over, you know, years and years of still, as you said, the work is always ongoing. Mm -hmm. It never finishes. I really have learned to draw boundaries and saying no was always a very difficult. I I mean, I don't even think I used to say no. Um, It was okay. This is something you need. I'm going to give it to you because... I love you and this is what I do because this is what I've always done and known. Well, I'm just looking at your profile and I see that you left corporate uh, law job to go and pursue that. So you are already on your spiritual journey of, uh, you know, getting out of the kind of enmeshment of mommy and daddy's approval, leaving law and then going and becoming kind of like a surfer, yogi, wellness (laughs) wellness <laughs> uh you know it's 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 pretty much an archetype huh i love it yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but that much took a lot of courage that took a lot of courage for you to do so i just want to give you some mad props to do that it's Thank not you. easy breaking cycles you're a cycle breaker yeah try, definitely trying to be that's that's always so so off. what would you love to create in this next 6 months that is different than what you've done like relationship wise purpose-wise, like what are you, what's on the horizon for you that you're kind of like looking up towards now? Um, I guess a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love actually something that you said to Violet earlier and that was about having these measurable goals, I suppose, you know, not just kind of developing an awareness for the sake of an awareness, but um, yeah. That's my pet peeve with the spiritual people. <laughs> it's like, I just, and I'm not imitating vile. This is not, but I'm just saying it kind of like when I take on these characters, I'm a bit of a ham. I take on these characters. It's just the archetype of what I see in the spiritual codependent type of toxic passivity community. It's toxic. I call it toxic passivity. You know, there's toxic aggression and then there's toxic passivity. It's a, yeah. a, a, a you know, and it's like, oh, I'm just going to be the greatest version and just go with the flow. And it's like, okay, so what does that look like? You know, just being yeah. in the moment and it's like, okay, like let's create, a, a give me a scene and show me a scene where things are different. Somebody's yelling and screaming at me and I'm like, completely understanding of them and not self-abandoning and being able to hold my own and be able to say no. Okay, great. That's reality. Most of us are, especially with codependency, steeped in fucking fantasy. So they don't like it when I say, um, could you just, okay, try that again. Only this time, just get real. 
You know, it's like, get real. It's like I, 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 everyone's so dissociated in fantasy land that I feel like I'm going, hey, get into your body. What, what's real about it? And so that's how you're only, that's the only way you're going to see change in your life when you can actually visualize what it is. And you might answer, I don't know what it is. Great. So then let the, let the um, uh, intention be, let the outcome be, I want to feel connected to my body and, and, and obeying my impulses, connected to my emotions, living and feeling the reality of life and feeling love that's mutual. Ah, okay, now we have something where we can, all right, now we can reverse engineer. What do I got to do? Okay, great. The meditations, yes, that's part of it. The journaling, yes. Now I have a why behind my day-to-day intentional actions because they have a vision in mind. That's what that's what we're here to activate. And we're just so in the clouds and dissociated. We we need somebody to go wake up, wake up, back in your body. Say it loud. You know, that's 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 the kind of person I am because that's the only thing that really helped me. I had to get out of the whole airy fairy, you know, toxic passivity bullshit and just go into, all right, this is what we're doing. Mission, boom. And be intentional, but then surrender while being intentional. So you're balancing the masculine and feminine. That's how you get what you want. Yeah, definitely. I, I love that. That really resonates with me. Um, so for me, over the next six months, what I would really love to see in myself is to increase that space between feeling triggered, you know, ha- having that immediate... I suppose, emotional reaction and feeling that in my body. And what I would really like to see is just more space between feeling that and how I react. Okay. Um, And I want to be able to respond better. And I think I'm someone who I feel a lot. Yes, (laughs) yes. And I feel deeply. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that can become very overwhelming. Scary, yeah. That's one of the classic symptoms of the codependent. And then if you go further along the spectrum and get into borderline kind of traits, emotions are completely overwhelming. So that's why learning how to integrate those shadows, becoming trigger proof and expanding the capacity of your neural systems, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to expand that. Now, here's the question that I have. Let's assume you do that. What would what would be different in your relationships that you're really wanting to up level towards? Um, I think something that when I picture this is mm-hmm. first of all me being able to catch it and and be able to communicate very clearly right. what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it. Okay. Um, in in a productive manner. At work. Or with your partner? Uh, no, no, in, like in, in my relationship. So you're, you're, you're partnered now. And so, yeah. okay, great. So he'll say something. And what what specifically is the biggest trigger for you, if you don't mind me asking? What specifically that causes you to become most overwhelmed? Um, when it's in around what area is it? You know, when he's when you feel like he's criticizing... Uh, your laziness, your, I don't know, your physicalness. I have no idea. I'm just tossing stuff. What is it for you? I think it's, it's, I'm not even sure if there's 
a necessarily like a recurring thing. It's it's probably often that he might say something, um, and it's you know like I'll I'll just give an example. For instance, is like on Christmas morning, I woke up very happy and excited, and I was like singing a bit in bed, and he's like, I don't like this energy in the morning and turned away from Ah, uh, okay. So he's so not that, a morning felt, person and he yeah, it felt and that, rejecting. And that, exactly. It was rejection. Okay, rejection. Was, ah. Feeling was rejection okay, so this is why it's so cool. You're a, you're a coach, right? I'm a yoga teacher. Okay, perfect. Coach. Okay, great. Um so see how use by the way, I just want everyone to watch see how useful it is to have a guide. Those of us who say, "Oh, I'll read it in a book or I'll listen to a podcast." This is what I'm talking about. So here's what I'm hearing from you, hun. I'm hearing that you're in a partnership, but there are times where he'll say something and then boom, you get triggered and it feels like rejection. And what you want to do is you want to create the outcome within the next few months so that you can take his feedback and not be spun out for three days and come back and be able to communicate it in a gentle way so that you have a mutual understanding and repair that 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 conflict repair that rupture that just happened does that resonate yeah absolutely okay perfect so that would be the outcome of doing the work now this is this is cool. So make sure you find somebody. The, the question you want to you know say you know you got to are you willing to get support on doing that? How important is that for you? What do you get if this happens? Is has this been really kind of in, interfering with your intimacy? You know, is it? Do you want to go deeper? Do you think? Do you feel that that would want to go? That would help you go deeper? All of those are are really great questions to ask and and see if you can find somebody that can support you in that specific outcome if you're um, too scared to to jump in and work with us. Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, so now you have that, I just kind of took you through that just to show you, all right, now I can see a tangible result that would make my life unrecognizable to actually genuinely get to the root of that. So that here's how we here's how we do it, Amanda. I'm going to ask you this question: When he says that in the morning, you're all "Hey, morning person," and then he says something, and then you feel rejected. How old do you feel? Oh, uh, yeah. I think it probably takes me right back. I want to say around like eight or nine. Bingo. Just, yeah. That's best, where yeah, we. That's where we. That's where we begin. That's where we begin. And once you get there and you really learn how to expand that space and shift with those neural exercises, bingo, bingo, bongo, holy crap. He and you have a completely different experience. You're able to respond. You're able to share how you feel. He, 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 he doesn't get defensive. Um, it's really cool. And even if he does, you know exactly how to repair. And then now you have intimacy. And what happens is, here's my vision, is a community of people that with these ruptures or arguments, they actually get stronger. It's like when you're building a muscle. When you're building a muscle, the the little micro tearing that happens while you're doing the exercise, when it repairs, it makes the muscle stronger. So when you have a secure love, and you're committed to the process of becoming trigger proof. As time goes on, 
your relationship grows with deeper with intimacy. Your love grows deeper. It goes beyond kind of the chemical and goes depth. And, and, and it's like two years living in this apartment through COVID, raising a child who's 15 months old, she was pregnant. The conflicts that we've gone through, that Diana have gone and I have gone through, right now versus before COVID started, we're actually closer because of it. And that's what's available if you're really willing to, to master this stuff. That's why I'm so passionate about teaching it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you for your question, Amanda. That was super duper helpful. Um, I guess we'll have one more time for one more question. And then I got a biz ounce. Uh, so new me, Mike. Mike, a new me. Okay. Oh, there he is. Oh, here we are. I guess he... I guess he doesn't know how to, to work it. All right, ladies and gents, thank you for being here. Send me a DM if you have um, any questions. Um, backstories are appreciated, but to avoid emotionally dumping, let me know what you want to create in the next three months. Don't just emotionally dump without saying what I just did with there with Amanda. What are you really committed to? Something specific like that. And this is if you really... You know, you want support. Do you need support with that? The answer is yes, we do. You got to trust the person. It's okay if you don't trust me. It's okay if you don't trust yourself. Um, in order to, to heal this, you have to find somebody somewhere that you trust and you have to be willing to take the leap and trust yourself. You can't build self-trust without trust. So you got to take the leap and trust. And I'll see you at the next perfect time. Big love.